and white photograph that we listening to legal AF three. And I'm going to ask you, is this the photo Trump's that terrible you legal week to? answer by Trump? I think keeps so, getting yes. worse and Question. worse for him. Huh? And do you recall when you first saw this photo answer at some point during the process? I saw it. I guess that's her husband, John Johnson, who was an anchor for NBC. Nice guy, I thought. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know him, but I thought he was pretty good at what he did. Yeah, this is Legal AF talking about how I, I don't uh, know who. Trump's oh, terrible legal week. Oh, for Trumpy. You're saying Marla is in this photo? And to be clear, Donald Trump is looking at a black and white photo with E. Jean Carroll in there <laughs> with John Johnson. It's not and, and, wait, wait, and with his Jean Carroll, rape victim, his rape victim for his wife, Marla Maples. He has one wife already in the photo. Looking at E. Good news, everybody, is that Trump always loses his court case. Carol's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, because she knew, she studied his mind so much that her question is right away, Oh, you're saying Marla is in the photo referring to Marla Maples. And Donald Trump answers, that's Marla. And Trump goes, oh, I see. And then E. Jean Carroll's lawyer goes, the person you just pointed to was E. Jean Carroll. Yeah. And then Habba is trying to coach Trump, likely pointing at Ivana and saying, that's Sucka. your wife. And then Roberta Kaplan goes, and the person, the woman on your right was. And then Donald Trump goes, I don't know. Yeah. This was the picture. I assume that's John Johnson. And then Habba's coaching him. That's Carol. That's Carol. And then Trump goes, that's Carol? Like he's surprised. And the moment where Trump realizes, oh, crap, is where he goes, oh, I see. Because he's looking at E. Jean Carroll, who he swears looks just like Marla Maples. And he hadn't put together that that. Which she does, by the way. <laughs> and then it all becomes kind of clear to him. Oh crap! That that's E. Jean Carroll, and the photos taken thirty years ago. Like he couldn't figure that piece out, and then and then has that moment. Popeye, you have oh. those two prongs. This case is going to be a devastating case for Donald Trump, and good. So yeah, let's remind yeah. everybody: April, two trials simultaneously in one consolidated case in front of one jury: defamation and civil rape brought by E. Jean Carroll. Full steam ahead. This kind of side issue about whether he has immunity because he made one of the defam defamatory comments while he was still president is not delaying either this this judge, Lewis Kaplan, this trial, or E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Robbie Kaplan. No relation. Now, I love that we're getting drips and drabs of these excerpts. In fact, even the, the latest little 40-pager that came out, little blast, is not – it's in sequence, but there's pages missing. and You'd have to go back and, like, put them together. So I was getting to one part where I, I, I could tell what Robbie was doing in the way that she walked through the um, all of the photos. She was trying to establish – and this is sort of geeky, but I liked it because, A, we've had Robbie Kaplan on our show. We interviewed her about – 
right after the Dobbs decision, which we're going to talk about as we get to the end. It would happen to be the day the Dobbs decision was leaked. And we had Robbie Kaplan on the show mm. to talk. We thought about E.G. Carroll. Turned out we talked a lot about the Dobbs decision being leaked. But I loved, I you know, because you and I do this for a living, I loved watching the methodical way that he she walked him in to that corner, right? It's like the old the old joke about the way you boil a frog. Mm. You, you don't throw him into a hot boiling water, you turn the water on slowly. And she was at the heat on slowly. And she was turning the heat on slowly. First she went through a series of photographs before she even got to the one that we're going to throw up on the screen when we do when we do the show, uh, while we're doing the show, of, of of the one you just walked over, which is the, the deadly devastating one, about his credibility. This all goes to credibility. It's not a defense that he didn't think she was attractive. The reason we keep harping on this is that, as you said in her opening, Robbie Kaplan's going to talk about how not credible, incredible and uncredible Donald Trump is, that everything is a hoax, even things that normal thinking and sentient human beings believe are true, like global warming, like mail-in ballots, like that this is a word, a sloppy use of the word that he uses when he doesn't want to be pressed on something and it can't all be true. It makes him not credible. Because they need to destroy his credibility before he takes the stand in his own defense and the case. And before E. Jean Carroll takes the stand, because she's going to be witness number one. You know, she's the roadmap witness for her own case. It's, you know, when when the opening, when jury selection is done, opening statements are concluded. And Judge Kaplan looks at Robbie Kaplan's table and says, call your first witness. First witness is going to be, we call E. Jean Carroll. I mean, I can't imagine anything else. You don't call an adverse witness. She's not going to call Donald Trump. I mean, that would be really cocky, really ballsy. We'll have to watch that. But it's going to be E. Jean Carroll. So in her opening, she needs to destroy and shrink down Donald Trump and his veracity and his credibility. So she walked him through all these photographs. Is this you at Elaine's? Is this a restaurant that was very famous for, for famous people and, and the uh, and the writer class in New York at the time? Is this you in front of this building? Is this you as the Grand Marshal of the Veterans Day Parade? Yes, yes, yes. Any reason to believe these photographs aren't accurate when they say they were taken on a certain date? Any reason to believe they weren't taken on that date? No, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. He has no idea where this is going, by the way, at that point. I, I'm pretty sure he has no idea. Because I don't think Alita Hoppe properly prepared him for the deposition, which also came out during the deposition. The lack of prep preparedness for him. How do you prepare him? He doesn't want to be prepared. You and I prepare witnesses all the time. I tell them, you know, you got to give me three full days before we do a seven-hour deposition because I got to get you prepared. I'm sure he gave her like an hour. So he had no idea. He just thought that, that Kaplan, the lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, was stroking his ego. Like, this is you. This is another famous picture of you on the Daily Post. And here's you at the Friars Club doing a, a Steven Seagal roast. I mean, it really got really bizarre. And he's like, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. Okay. Then she skips and does something else. Then she brings out the photo. Now, I, I'll give her the credit that you gave her, too. I think she knew this was going to happen. Because not that it matters. It, gets, it goes to credibility, not to a defense. But E. Jean Carroll when she was in her 40s, and E.G. Carroll, when she's 80, which is what she's 79 now, just like Donald Trump doesn't look the way he looks. So she looked, she's a very beautiful woman. She is now, and she was then. And I and that photo brought back memories for me because I used to watch her husband. I didn't realize that was her husband until this whole photo thing came out because uh, 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 John Johnson was very famous on Eyewitness News. He's also African-American, just to throw that in. And so the photo is, John Johnson, famous, laughing, 
laughing. Next to E. Jean Carroll also kind of laughing. And that's that's directly on. And then you have side view of Ivana, the then the then wife, and the back of Donald Trump. So he's already got one wife in the photo. He's got the one he's married to at the time, Ivana. So I guess there was a, a situation somewhere in his mind where Ivana met Marla, his second wife. And he thought this was a photo where his his current wife and he met his future wife in Marla Mabel's, but that but that was because there was a wife already in the photo. And yeah. but that was E. Jean Carroll. And then I give her a lot of credit because I would have actually pushed back harder because I've had this happen to me. When Alina Haba jumped in to try to save her client, which she's not supposed to do. She's not supposed to testify. She's not supposed to interfere. She's not supposed to corrupt the testimony. She jumped in and said, which you're not and totally inappropriate. And she could have been sanctioned for it. She said out loud to her client under oath being deposed. That's Carol. Like not even like whispering. That's Carol. And he said, what? That's Carol. Let me see. Let me see that photo. Oh, now he figured out he'd been had. But I give I give Robbie Kaplan credit because I would have jumped up and down and said that is completely inappropriate. Don't interfere. Don't say anything. You're not here to testify or coach your witness. I've done that. You've done that. She didn't do that. She let it go because she had him already. So she didn't care. <laughs> the fact that it got corrected at the end, she had already made her point that she's going to use in the opening and in the closing and throughout that he can't be trusted, that he's not credible, that he'll say anything in order to win the case. And that's all she's got to do in front of a New York jury or any jury. So I, I thought it was, I thought that aspect of it was fascinating. It also shows you he's, he's, you know, he attacks Joe Biden constantly for being 80 and being addle-brained. That was a moment of being addle-brained by Donald Trump, one of many, where he couldn't figure out who was in a photo and mistook E. Jean Carroll for Marla Maples. And in his own fantasy world, he's like, yeah, this is where my ex-wife and my current wife met at, at an event. And he's so you know, effing out of his mind. And look, Roberta Kaplan is she played it perfectly because she wants to show the video how Alina Haba coached the witness. So she wants to play that entire thing through and she's not going to object to it. And then she's going to tell the jury in the closing, look, you saw the lawyer in the deposition coach him to let him know. I think Eugene I think Eugene Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, also as a lawyer, you prepare. If, if Donald Trump recognized that as E. Jean, the photo of E. Jean Carroll recognized her as E. Jean Carroll, um, she would have said, is that the photo that you saw recently? And to try to let Donald Trump know that that was a photo from 30 years ago. Did you know that's what she looked like 30 years ago? Have you seen other photographs of her from that time? I think she had those questions ready to go, but she didn't have to even go there. I agree with you. I, I totally, because, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Because he gave her more than what she even right, right. We, we we've got a lot more to discuss here on Legal AF. Popak, I want you to go uh, over this scathing DeSantis uh, order by a federal judge going back to Florida. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this so-called investigation that the Supreme Court did into who leaked the Dobbs decision, and then touch a little bit on Peter Navarro. Uh, but first, I want to talk about one of our sponsors. It's Miracle Made Sheets. I love Miracle Made. Whether you want to get more fit, be a better parent, or get more done at work, there is one thing that will help, and that's better sleep with Miracle Made Sheets. 
you can tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve sleep quality by up to 34%. One of the things that I love about these miracle sheets is the self-cooling properties for better quality sleep using silver infused fabrics originally developed by NASA. Miracle-made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get better sleep every night. And they're luxurious comfort and quality combined in one. I think they're very luxuriously comfortable and without the high mm -hmm. price tag of other luxury brands. And it's good mm -hmm. for your skin, better for your skin. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets means less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts sure. and other skin problems. So please go to trymiracle.com slash legal AF. That's T-R-Y-M-I-R-A-C-L-E.com slash legal AF and try it today. And we've got a very, very special deal for our listeners and viewers. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code legal AF at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Again, go to trymiracle.com slash legal AF. Use the code legal AF and get those incredible savings that we're offering here. And Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash legalaf and use the code legalaf to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash legalaf to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode of Legal AF. And I want to give a special shout out to our other sponsor highland titles another interesting legal fact comes all the way from scotland and our show sponsors highland titles scotland has legally defined souvenir plots of land these gift-sized plots are so small that they are recognized as a novelty unlike regular plots of land souvenir plots can be purchased for less than 50 dollars without the need for involving lawyers Highland Titles has been selling souvenir plots of land as a gift since 2006, and they have more than 400,000 customers. Man. The really cool part about becoming a landowner in Scotland is the tradition am. It's of Lady affording Tristy Scottish landowners a courtesy Thank title. You. you can buy one square foot of yep. the lawsuit saying that you and it would at least be kind of like a it would be it would be a fun little gift. But anyway, like Serpo Puck. Speaking of fun little gifts, here's a fun big gift. Donald and Trump and his lawyer Alina Haba are sanctioned almost bona fides, and this is a federal judge, Judge Hinkle, uh, who had a very scathing order about a million prosecutor who, um, who Ron DeSantis suspended. By a federal um, judge. Ron DeSantis suspended him because DeSantis was looking for someone who he could label woke to do the kind of performative thing that they do and say, I'm suspending him too woke. And they found this prosecutor in, in Hillsborough. It was elected by the people, you know, of Hillsborough County. Um, and, and all the prosecutor said was, look, he signed a petition, by the way, in his like personal capacity. He never said that he would never prosecute, um, you know, certain cases. And there was never a case that even came before him where you could even make a finding that there was a dereliction of duty because the very situation 
never even came before him, and prosecutors have what's called Man, prosecutorial Trump got fined nearly a million dollars out, for but his revenge. He signed a petition saying, look, I don't think we should be criminalizing abortion. I don't feel Everybody comfortable arresting women so, you know, this case goes before a federal judge because the prosecutor files the lawsuit saying that he violated that DeSantis violated his constitutional rights. And Popov, tell us what happened. Yep, and I did a nice uh, hot take on this. It's actually running right now, but let me let me break it down. This is the difference when you have a Democratic appointed federal judge and judge senior status judge in the Northern what language District do you speak? of Florida, up by Tallahassee. Um, we're this Hillsborough County, which is near Tampa, so these are on opposite sides of the state almost. Tampa on the west coast, south, and uh, northern district of Florida, up to the very top of the state, um, close to the border with Georgia. So these are two different places. And the reason that he sued Adam Warren, the removed or suspended prosecutor, state attorney for Hillsborough County is because, I think it's because that's where the governor resides, up towards that part in Tallahassee, Florida. He didn't go to state court, he went to federal court, and he alleged in his suit that he was he was suspended from office improperly by the governor of the state because he expressed his First Amendment rights, free speech, about signing on to some memos of some progressive prosecutorial entities that operate in the country. That suggested that he was um, not doing his job, that he was, that he was, um, incompetent or that he had done things uh, that warrant his being suspended under the very narrow grounds that allow for suspension. Quite the opposite. He had a very good track record. He supervised over 130 prosecutors as the state attorney for that county. It, he was elected uh, by the people of that county. But there was, just to set a little bit of the stage, our listeners and followers and viewers may remember that uh, over a year ago or so, when there was a wave, um, actually it was during the, uh, was that, we're going on two years now, um, when there was a wave of um, a lot of them were seen as and were identified, self-identified as progressive prosecutors. Okay, that's fine. And they have their own views. Alvin Bragg got a little bit of hot water. When he did a first day memo two years ago saying what crime he would or would not prosecute using his prosecutorial discretion. Warren wasn't that quite as bold, but he did let it be known after the Dobbs decision, which we're going to talk about next, got leaked. Um, and, and of course, DeSantis got right behind taking away and ripping away a woman's right to choose that while he didn't have an abortion case in front of him to, 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 to decide whether it was going to be prosecuted or not, that he would use.
prosecutorial discretion as to whether they are going to prosecute a certain crime. Did he take money in his campaign from George Soros? Probably. George Soros decided, who is a very infamous, well-known Democratic fundraiser who supports all Democratic positions, and every, all along the spectrum of Democratic positions, um, he decided that he wanted to focus on getting progressive prosecutors into positions to change the justice system. You and I know a couple of them. Uh, Karen knows a couple of them. I mean, Lucy Lang is very public, and she's been on our show, and she ran for that position in, in Manhattan, and she's a progressive prosecutor and believes in the reform of criminal justice, as many of these people do. So DeSantis decided that he was going to do a witch hunt led by one of his chief advisors. This is all in the decision by the judge to go find woke prosecutors, whatever that means, and get them out of office and suspend them because they're woke, because they're exercising their First Amendment rights, because he doesn't like them, because they're Democrats, which you're, which you're not allowed to do. Whereas Judge Hinkle said in his order, our governor is often saddled with prosecutors he doesn't like from a different party. It doesn't mean you have the right to suspend them or remove them. And they can't remove them. There's almost no provision in, in uh, Florida statute or constitutional law that gives the governor the right to remove. But he's got like this narrow ability to suspend. Now, what I said at the top of our show, I want to make I want to bring it home now. If this was a MAGA Republican judge, we never would have had a trial. This was a full bench trial that went on for days where DeSantis and not DeSantis, but those around DeSantis had to testify. Adam Warren testified cross-examined, evidence came out, judge had a full record to make his decision. Instead, a MAGA right-wing Republican judge would have looked at it and said, you know, under the 11th Amendment, which you and I never talk about, the 11th Amendment of the Constitution, which has been interpreted by the U.S. Supreme Court, despite what it says, literally, and we'll put it up on the board, literally it says that a, that a, a, a citizen of one state can't sue another state in federal court. And I'll talk about the history of that in a minute. It got it got morphed and, and moved and and altered by Supreme Court precedent to mean not what it exactly says, but to mean something a little bit different. The precedent now says that any state can't be sued in federal court, almost except where Congress has allowed it, and that's only in very, very narrow circumstances, not relevant here. Why? Why is that part of our judicial history? Because when the founding fathers and the framers of our Constitution put in the section about the judges, the, the, the judicial branch, what we call Article Three of the Constitution, the states were very up, were very worried and up in arms about whether the federal government, this new federal government, was going to use their federal court system to punish states and to drag states over to the federal side and make them answer for whatever bad things that they had done, but in federal court, they didn't want that. And so after Article 3 was already part of the Constitution, in one of the next set of amendments, not the first not the first 10 amendments, which we call the Bill of Rights, but number 11, <laughs> there was a kind of a correction that was done very, very quickly, which Judge Hinkle talked about, in which they, they said, no, okay, we'll make this clear. Because we never, the framers never intended, according to legislative history, to allow states to be sued in, in the federal court for their own conduct. And so we'll make it clear in the 11th Amendment that that's not going to happen. And the states can lower their temperature and don't worry about it. We'll take care of it in the 11th Amendment. Now, the 11th Amendment was kind of sloppily drafted, so the legislative history says. And it had to be fixed by Supreme Court precedent in the 18th.
1800s, early 1800s, which brought us now to what is the body of law under the 11th Amendment that a state can't be sued in federal government, in the federal courthouse, by anybody of any state of their own or of another state. Which, okay, so let's bring it, let's bring it home. Why is Judge Hinkle hearing this case if under the 11th Amendment he has no jurisdiction? A MAGA Republican judge would have said, I don't have jurisdiction and I'm not doing the trial. But Hinkle wanted the trial because he had already seen enough evidence in pretrial practice to suggest that, that DeSantis had done something underhanded and unscrupulous and that the facts were going to bear that out. So he says, you know what? I'm gonna, I want a full record in front of me before I make the decision about the 11th Amendment application. Let's get the facts. And then he wrote, you know, like a 30 or 40 page opinion where he said, DeSantis violated the Florida Constitution, violated the federal Constitution, violated the First Amendment rights of Adam Warren, created a hit squad, a witch hunt, used one of his people to go after woke prosecutors, whatever that meant, just because he didn't like them. There was nothing that supported his uh, suspending Adam Warren or anybody else because they weren't incompetent and, they, and, the, and the grounds to suspend them were not present. And so everyone's like, yay, that's great. We love that part of the opinion. And then in the last paragraph, after 48 pages of going through the entire process that I just laid out, he said, but I got a problem. I have an 11th Amendment problem. I can't give Mr. Warren what he wants, which is to be reinstated as the Hillsborough County State Attorney, because I'm powerless to do that as a federal judge, because he's in the wrong courthouse, and, and he's suing a state. He's suing DeSantis and a state. And I can't do it. He could have led with that and cut off the whole thing. But he wanted, like Middlebrooks, he wanted an entire, um, the whole Megillah of all the bad acts of DeSantis in there, in a federal court order to be cited bad by faith. the future. Now, Warren has got two choices. He either refiles the case, at least part of the case, in state court, either in Hillsborough County or up in Tallahassee in Leon County. Or you could do that. Or he just runs for office again and takes out the, the, the person that DeSantis put in his place and let the voters of Hillsborough, who probably are not that the... pleased in Tampa, that DeSantis did this as part mm -hmm. of his attempt to raise money. Because that was the other interesting thing, Ben. I don't know if you caught this. The judge said that I find it interesting that DeSantis' own office calculated that the publicity benefit of having Adam Warren taken out, dragged out of his office by the police, which is what DeSantis did. He didn't even give him the dignity and the courtesy of letting him, you know, leave office, not show up the next day, change the locks. They sent the Florida Department of, of Law Enforcement, the FDLE, in, the state troopers in, to pull him out, do a perp walk, which he then used, DeSantis then used on, and all of his spokespeople, on a right-wing media, to talk about going after woke prosecutors and rate and they say the value of that and they calculated it internally for DeSantis was 2.4 million dollars worth of publicity which is the reason the judge said that the real reason he did it was to um, uh, run publicity. for office one day as president and get this free publicity for going after improperly unconstitutionally prosecutors that he didn't agree with and parties he didn't agree with mm -hmm. and it was a scathing order Popak where Judge Hinkle said that DeSantis clearly violated the Constitution. He stated that even the most basic, basic of diligence, if one was ever conducted, which it wasn't, by the governor's office, would have showed that Andrew Warren was 
um, able to exercise his prosecutorial discretion, engaged in no misconduct at all, never had any blanket policies about not prosecuting certain crimes, that certain crimes never even came before him to be prosecuted, um, that there was no dereliction of duty. But ultimately, there is no, uh, there was no remedy, because as you mentioned, uh, the 11th Amendment, as it's been interpreted, um, divests the court of jurisdiction. And so DeSantis was cheering this on like this was a win for him. Like DeSantis responded, we won, the judge dismissed the case, which just goes to show you how Orwellian and kind of dystopian it is, where it was a scathing order, yet they oh, framed it as a win. It, it almost reminds you of when Bill Barr um, got the Mueller report and framed it as a win. Look, the Mueller report has showed that we did nothing wrong, like the exact opposite. But it's those fascist Orwellian tactics that are at play. So what happens next is it goes before the Senate uh, in Florida and they have to make a decision. Like it's not like this legal decision goes before the Senate, but it now informs the decision because ultimately determinations about suspensions like this, but where they are captured by the kind of same MAGA Republican forces or the DeSantis kind of forces there, you know, they, they can claim that they're for the rule of law all they want to, but here they're presented with a judicial order and they are unlikely to actually enforce the law. And so then you may ask at home, well, if there is no remedy in, in a federal judicial setting, in the very unique circumstance like this and the Flor florida state senate's not willing to do anything you know then well then what do we do and the answer is it, 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 it's why we have to speak loud about democracy that may not be the answer that you, to speak that the you fuck wanted, but where you have legislating legislatures that are captured by Kind of these fascistic forces um, and you have these very strange interpretations of the constitution strange putting it gently um, that would provide this incongruity where a state prosecutor can't get federal relief against no. the state governor um, in this unique situation there's really there may not be ultimately um, a remedy here and then some people say well could he file a wrongful termination lawsuit well technically the prosecutor is not an employee so you you know and he's still suspended versus terminated so you would still then kind of get into as as someone who's not an employee as someone who's elected what can what are those rights and remedies and i think you're in new kind of new areas of the law that we'll see and of course we'll follow here but it shows you the complexity at at issue and something that i don't really think is all that complex popop but i think we should just touch upon it for for just a few minutes here is this uh investigation so-called investigation by the united states supreme court they empowered their marshal's office within the supreme court to investigate who may have leaked the Dobbs decision, which ultimately overturned Roe v. Wade when it was released in late June, the leak occurred in early May to Politico. You know, the leak would only the leak would only benefit uh, someone who wanted to stop the deliberative process that takes place in, in the Supreme Court. 
uh, as they kind of talk about their opinions before there's a final opinion. So for those out there who kind of want to know the sausage making behind a Supreme Court opinion, <laughs> there are drafts that get circulated, and until a final opinion's issued, uh, justices are trying to convince other justices to change their mind and maybe change uh, portions of an opinion or, you know, for example, in the Dobbs decision, which uh, addressed a specific state law um, in uh, Mississippi and what their specific uh, length was where they were saying that they would ban abortions versus actually overturning Roe v. Wade. Perhaps some of the pro-democracy judges on there, or the, the three judges who support a woman's right to control decisions over uh, her body, that they could say, look, don't go as far as you're going to go to overturn Roe v. Wade. And so there's negotiations and deliberations that take place. But once a decision is kind of leaked, which is fairly uh, unprecedented, it, it freezes the deliberations because you really couldn't change the decision after the public knows what it is because it would basically seem like you're just uh, responding to public pressure versus actually the deliberative process at issue. So all of that becomes chilled. So I talk about that because ultimately the motivation for who would leak it would be someone who wanted to stop the deliberation amongst the Supreme Court justices so that the decision could be changed. Someone would want to freeze it so that the decision can't be changed. That's why you would leak it. So the motivation is someone who wanted the decision to be the decision that was in the draft and to have no changes. So to me, that's why it clearly would make no sense for any of the uh, judges or anyone who affiliated with the judges who wanted the who wanted Roe v. Wade to remain the law of the land, which it should have been and which it should be, to ever leak that opinion? Everybody would know that. And what we've also learned through uh, this one particular evangelical, former evangelical leader, who's really exposed the collusion that's taken place between uh, the evangelical leadership and the Supreme Court, that that this whistleblower. Uh, exposed and said, hey, I would set up these meetings with justices and these leaders at the homes of these leaders. You know, they would give donations to the group and I would give access to Supreme Court justices like Justice Alito. And this whistleblower said back in 2014 or 2015, whatever the Hobby Lobby uh, decision uh, was issued, which basically where the Supreme Court said that um, you know, private employers don't have to provide health care relating to birth control or, or, or the types of stuff that women should have to control their own bodies, um, that that decision was told to the people at this dinner party by Samuel Alito. And there are contemporaneous emails and text messages around the time that seem to reflect that the people had dinner with Samuel Alito. They got info from Samuel Alito. They said, hey, he gave us the big news. Let's talk by phone. And then a few weeks later or days later, the Hobby Lobby decision comes out, which corroborates you know, the whistleblower story that Alito had told them what the outcome of the decision was going to be at this dinner. And so it would seem to be somebody like an Alito. That's why I said at the beginning, I can give you Alito in who would likely leak this. But one of the things we've learned about the so-called investigation, though, is that these Supreme Court justices themselves 
did not have the same scrutiny as all the other employees. They did not have to sign affidavits testifying under uh, attesting under penalty of perjury that they were not the leakers. And the same intrusiveness on the types of searches and devices and things like that were not done with the actual justices. And so I don't know if there's cover on Popak, but they basically said they don't know who the leaker is. Homeland Security, Michael Chertoff, look at it, and Chertoff said, oh, looks like the marshal did a diligent job. I don't know. The whole thing reeks of a cover-up to me. Well, you know, I, that's a, having read Chertoff, Michael Chertoff, who was a, a judge, a prosecutor, and Homeland Security chief, who apparently uh, uh, the chief judge reached out to, to, to take a look at the marshal's report and decide whether more had to be done. That is a report and a conclusion uh, that um, is is of a body that didn't want to get to the bottom of the answer. Yep. Be because there was plenty of leads that were in there. For instance, Michael Chertoff said in his report of the report, his critique of the report by the marshal, that there were enough people who testified under oath because they interviewed 90 people. First of all, they identified that over 80 people had their hands on a draft of Dobbs, which is an extraordinary number. I never Power on. You know, even if you add it's up a huge amount of people, judges, it's not 82 people. There are 82 people who at one point had Bluetooth a draft. A number of them admitted they treated that draft differently than they had treated other drafts of other decisions that they had put their hands on. That's interesting. That would lead to follow-ups if you really wanted to get to the bottom of it. They also testified when they were investigated that they often told their loved ones and friends about things that they worked on, including the Dobbs decision, which is also weird. Um, they were unable to figure out from a review of printer logs, whether things got printed out at home or scan logs, whether they got scanned. It could have been the clerk. It could have been the roommate of the clerk. They have no idea. And interesting. Bluetooth is connecting. Bluetooth connected. Even though Marshall, um, uh, Judge Roberts draws a line under the whole thing, it says it's really over. It's not. Because it, in the same breath, he says that there are other leads that the Marshall's office is still investigating, and they have our full support. You are totally right. You and I have talked about this at length, and we have a different position than the mainstream media about why the leak happened, starting with the why the leak happened. It's exactly, I, I agree with you, it's exactly what you laid out. It was a way to try to cut the legs out from John Roberts, who would have, based on what we know about John Roberts and prior decisions, would have worked the hallways of the Supreme Court to try to save as much of Roe v. Wade as possible. We kind of know that from his background and other places where he's done it, including trying to save Obamacare and the like. But the leak of this draft froze in time any of those efforts and made it almost impossible to do that, to circulate competing drafts, to, to change what was in there. And we saw the final order was almost identical to what was drafted. So like you said, the person that wants to um, freeze it, and so there's no deliberative process, and cuts uh, uh, John Roberts' legs out from under him and his ability to negotiate to the center, that's, that's your, that's your uh, target. That's who you should be going after. The mainstream media has said things like, oh, 
it was an effort maybe by a right-wing clerk to socialize that the big decision was coming to take away Roe versus Wade. No, that makes absolutely no sense. What you said, what I said, makes, makes perfect sense. And so this is just a wallpaper over. They never really wanted to get to the bottom of the problem. If this was a corporation, they would have gotten to the bottom of it. And even Chernoff said, look, you got a lot of belt tightening to do at the Supreme Court. You don't know who's printing these things out. You need to change that. You don't, you don't have printer logs. You don't have scan logs. You really don't have a chain of custody to understand how these 82 people, and sometimes multiple drafts for each of these 82 people, and the chain of custody. You don't know where they're going. At doc, your document control is terrible. Your version control is terrible. You know, he gave them a real critique. Marshall, you know, uh, Roberts didn't say off the Marshall's report and Chertoff's report, I'm going to make all these changes. I also thought, I don't know what you thought of the last, last point about this thing, Chertoff citing to the law clerk ethics canon. See, the law clerks have ethical rules they need to follow, but the, the justices of the Supreme Court don't. That's the problem. So he said, oh, this, this would have violated canon three of the law clerk's ethics because they blah, blah. Yeah. The, the thing you can't cite is anything that would have bound the justices to anything. So they didn't want to get to the bottom of it. But then you got crazy Donald Trump, which I know you talked about in one of your trending things. Donald Trump got on social media saying, put Politico, which is where uh, which broke the story and got the leak, put Politico editor in jail, put the publisher in jail, put the reporter in jail. We got to get to the bottom of it. By the way, I don't know why he wants to get to the bottom of it, because it helps him. Because it's exactly what he wanted to have happen. He wanted to have a woman's right to choose after 50 years in our U.S. constitutional as a right ripped away from women. Why is he so upset? The reason that it, that, that Dobbs became Dobbs is because it got leaked to Politico. So this, this false narrative that Donald Trump loves to have where he's, I don't know, the protector of the First Amendment, it was the best thing that ever could happen to him. Trump just wanted to take the attention off his own legal nightmare. Shift attention uh, from all his losing losing loser Loser, losing. Court. Because it, it took away a political issue. Popak, Popak, Popak. He hates the Supreme Court because they gave his taxes to the House Ways and Means Committee. <laughs> that, it, it, it all is, it all, and, and he hates, and even though he appointed those Supreme Court justices, he blames the Dobbs decision on making him look bad because he blames that as one of the reasons that his endorsed candidates did not win. It, it, it's all a malignant, narcissistic thing when he hates the Supreme Court because because of their recent rulings about him. So that's why he wants to attack the Supreme Court. And he can tie in a little fascism there about arresting the political reporters and his hatred of the media. So he kind of gets a 
I love your I love your condescending popuck popuck book. You're so naive. But having having said that, there was a great line of Middlebrooks is just rounding out and, and drawing a line through all of our segments today on the podcast. Middlebrooks said um, about the media, the media, the reporters write the first draft of history. They have a tremendous important role that our founding fathers saw, and our framers saw. And so you have Middlebrooks on the one hand saying reporters do God's work and do the first draft of history, and then the tyrant, Donald Trump, in the same week saying, put him in jail, arrest the publisher, arrest him, which is exactly the opposite of what our founding fathers wanted uh, from really the, the very early Supreme Court decisions for the, for the new U.S. Supreme Court were over the freedom of press and the right of, of journalists to do their job and to bring sunshine um, uh, and, and transparency to and hold leaders accountable as a result. I mean, just Donald Trump fails history 101 time and time again. Oh, it was definitely, I wouldn't say it was condescending. It was more coalescing. It was bringing together <laughs> a lot of concepts here. And then I, I do want to touch just super briefly just to give everybody an update because I've, I've gotten some messages. What's going on with that Peter Navarro, the MAGA extremist who worked uh, in the Trump administration? He's uh, been charged with contempt of Congress for not showing up to the January 6th committee's subpoenas. That trial is set for January 30th. He's filed, as, as they often do, these, these pretty meritless uh, motions. He filed a motion to dismiss, saying selective prosecution, the separation of powers have been violated with his previous role in the executive branch. He claimed that he was following the uh, assertions by Donald Trump of executive privilege. And the court kind of made it very clear. Uh, first off, Trump didn't even assert executive privilege with you. So he kind of threw you out here uh, to the to the lion's den. But in, 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 in any event, you deserve it. And as uh, Judge Amit Mehta, the presiding judge who's overseeing the case, said, quote, uh, defendant Peter Navarro apparently believes the law applies differently to him, which just about sums it up. And in denying Navarro's motion to dismiss, uh, Judge Amit Mehta also granted the Department of Justice's motions to exclude him from saying all these ridiculous uh, arguments in, in court by saying Trump told me to do it and I was following, you know, I was following Trump's advice, which we've talked about here, the public authority defense. I was just following lawful orders. All that BS is not coming in. Navarro just got destroyed in this motion to dismiss. And I think it's going to be a very simple trial like Bannon's trial where did you get the subpoena? Yes. Did you show up? No. All right. We rest our case. That was kind of the, that was kind of the Bannon case. Uh, <laughs> and. I expect Navarro to be convicted, um, and I expect uh, uh, Navarro to – we'll be then talking about Navarro being sentenced. Anything else you want to add there on Navarro, though, Popak? I just no, wanted to give people – No, other thing. than it's we, we tie them together with Bannon because Bannon has an appeal that will impact Navarro. Bannon's appeal, and he's out on appeal, as we all are upset about, uh, and he's not been sentenced because of the appeal is on the very same case, this Licavoli case we've talked about at length in the 1960s, and whether that is the prevailing precedent, whether the Supreme Court wants it to be the prevailing precedent for what happens when somebody uh, thumbs their nose and flouts an order of the or subpoena of the uh, of Congress and refuses to appear because they claim 
some sort of connection to a president. So that's going to have an impact. But right now, Meta is using the same body of law that, um, that, that Judge Nichols used, and his position is it's, it's the law in the books, it's the good law, and we're going to trial on that good law. I don't think that – I think the trial is going to happen before we get through the Bannon appellate process. And so it may ha- it may if, if that wins now through the Supreme Court, it'll help it'll help um, uh, Navarro, but it won't help him avoid this trial or or the almost certain conviction <laughs> that he's going as you laid out so eloquently in a two day trial that is going to happen. Well, the I think the Navarro outcome is going to happen before the appeal, considering it's nine or ten days from now. So I think right. we will we will we will see Navarro. Bannon has been sentenced. He hasn't served yet uh, the four months that he has been sentenced to pending his appeal. That's been stayed. Um, And as you did in another uh, hot take that we will talk about more as uh, Bannon's other trial nears, though it's the prosecution against Bannon uh, in New York State for state law violations from the We Build the Wall scam, where Bannon is alleged to have stolen uh, huge amounts of money from people claiming it was going to build the wall that Trump said that Mexico was going to pay for. Of course, Bannon was charged uh, by the Department of Justice for uh, the unlawful conduct. And then uh, Donald Trump, in his pardoning of all of the uh, criminals who have worked for him, uh, Bannon received one of those pardons. So a lot to discuss as we proceed with legal AF and Certainly, as I said, coalescing, not condescending. One of the things that are all coalescing is for Jack Smith, because Jack Smith, seeing a very weak and desperate Donald Trump here um, from all sides right now, and that Donald Trump is not a Teflon Don. He is a weak, coward, traitor Don who can be easily defeated. And I think to wrap this all up, Special Counsel Jack Smith is taking notice of all of this, and I will be very thrilled to report when those indictments happen, which I still predict April, May. Others predict sooner, but I think that I, I feel I feel kind of confident that it's an April, May time period. I would be surprised if it didn't happen. Thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of Legal AF. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our Patreon account, and we've got big news about Patreon, so listen up just for one moment. Uh, If you're watching this live on Saturday, Sunday, 9 a.m., we are doing an exclusive Patreon Zoom chat with all of our patrons. So if you are a member of Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch right now before it's too late and become a member on one of the membership packages so you could see the Zoom that I'm going to be doing with me and my two younger brothers, Popak Delorean. I'm not making you work tomorrow. It's going to be Brett and Jordy and myself as we unveil the future plans of the Midas Touch Network and take questions from all of you um, exclusively on our Patreon Zoom tomorrow. So go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Become a member now so you can join that exclusive Zoom chat. Also, check us out at store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear and legal AF gear, store.midastouch.com. I want to thank our sponsors for supporting our work, highlandtitles.com, www.highlandtitles.com, and use the discount code LEGALAF 
to receive 20% off your order. And Miracle Made Sheets, go get your great sheets. Go to trymiracle.com slash legalaf and then use the code legalaf for great discounts there. Thank you all to the Legal AFers, the Midas Mighty. None of this is possible without you. We are so grateful for this incredible pro-democracy community. Um, again, I, I wake up every day inspired by, by each and every one of you. Let's keep fighting for our democracy. Let's keep learning the law. Let's keep talking about the most consequential legal news of the week of our time right here on Legal AF. I'm joined by Michael Popak. My name is Ben Micellis. Until next time, shout out to the Midas Mighty. This is the Clarence Total Eye Lift. It gives you a visible eye lift within 60 seconds. I've read so many positive reviews on this. You don't know. Most people are taught that you only need a good job to become rich. These billionaires are operating in a whole other playbook that many don't even know exists. Kudos to Judge Middlebrook. He gives me hope. It's a shame that laws don't allow sanctions that result in prison time. He's used the courts for years to attack contractors. He doesn't feel like paying, cheating them of honest wages. Revenge and a way to threaten those who do not have legal assistance or can't afford prolonged court case delays. <clears throat> this must change to stop those who abuse the court systems. With one of the latest from Bill Maher about Santos and the Proud Boys, I came up with this for SNL. A group of Republicans are standing outside of Santos' office and he wants to see them one at a time. Not only do they not want to be the first to see him alone, no one wants to see him alone at all. They argue and shove each other and make excuses and tie their belts up tighter. Keep up the good work. Please keep calling him out. Yes, judges stand up to him, but he's still successful in buying time. His own so-called judges are not helping his ass. This shit's hilarious. <laughs> I wish they would hurry up and put 45 in prison. This edition of Legal AF is great. Thank you for setting this up, Ben and Attorney Popak. Special thanks for walking us through the proceedings. All I can say is about time Mr. Trump what goes around, comes around. Just heard they found out more documents in Trump's home Friday. <laughs> if Trump is scared and withdrawing the Letitia James suit, he's really going to be moaning when he's ordered to cough up 20, $250 million. The look on his face will be a Kodak moment. Yes! Give him an inch and he takes a mile or system allows it and he knows it. It's kind of amazing he got Trump to retreat. Wait a minute, I thought George Santos was the judge on this case. Is there no justice? He withdraw. Not dismissed. I am learning from you guys. Might touch him out, right? Uh, old Popak looking like Milton Berlin. <laughs> Those new spectacles. Fantastic episode. Color. Couldn't happen to anyone better than him and that liar. Wish the trial would be televised. Yes, thank you. Ah, love hearing this. Eugene Carroll's lawyer is flipping amazing. That breakdown is fabulous. With these sanctions, is there a time limit on when the fine needs to be paid? Can they just appeal the ruling for several years and kick the can down the road indefinitely? Which is what they would do. Judges in the main give me hope for American justice. Wow, what a great day for news. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes, indeed. Good job, guys. Guys. Fines. Senate's violated both the U.S. and four constitutions. Fucking yeah, so.
trade secrets with the Native American civilizations. Timeline. Hmm. Dark Age Killers. Or the Dark Ages. Hmm. 8500 to 1000. Mega the compilation documentary. Hmm. Secrets of Christianity. This is a pretty dang good series. Have an H&R Block tax pro do your taxes online? And tax season feels just as good as all those other seasons. Like fishing season. Religious history documentaries. The truth about Christianity's origins in Europe. Secrets of Christianity parable. At the beginning of the Christian movement, Jesus' followers were fed to wild animals for woman entertainment. This sucks. Can't hear. Can't hear a damn thing. Get suffers a devastating defeat in court. Great. The more defeats he suffers, the better. Introducing Eight hours ago. So, folks, my goodness, one thing that I often notice, many of you do as well, is that when you see someone acting more unhinged and delusional than they... Saying crazier things than they typically do, it's often a sign that they're panicking and that they're afraid and they're desperate. And that applies above all today to none other than Matt Gates. Because you know, just this guy just a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago now, felt like he was on top of the world. You know, he was the most talked about person in DC. He was pulling all the strings, at least according to his own narrative. He scored all of these massive victories over McCarthy so that McCarthy, you know, had to give up all this 
Gates to get his job and gave it all to Matt Gates. But it turns out, guys, that Gates just took a massive legal defeat, a historic a legal, legal defeat dog. in many ways, that puts him and many of his buddies in very, very, very big peril. And, you know, this is why he's flipping out. And he's also flipping out because it's become very clear that all of his alliances, all of his friendships 